that song. I, I can't figure it out. Someone tell me before this is over. Um, you guys, usually, you, you know, Jeff, one of the things I remember about Jeff from, uh, from, from just being with Momentum, you know, I used to come here every year and, uh, and then they got tired of me. But uh, is he, he would always ask before I come on stage, he goes, is there anything Anything that uh, would, would keep God from blessing this? Is there any sin in your life that you need to confess? And he would, he would look at every worship leader, you know, everyone in the band, everyone in the program, and go, come on, let me know if there's something, because I want God to bless this time. And if there's something hidden in your life, he's not going to bless it. You know, is there, is there anything you need to confess and come clean so that you can come forward and, and, and do this with a pure heart? And I, and I love that time. I mean, it was always a little awkward, you know, because you're around the circle of people, and he's just point blank asking, is there anything that would keep God from blessing this? And that's so important because, you know, you look in Scripture, I, I think of, of Achan, you know, and, and his sin and how, how everything was all screwed up. All of Israel was messed up, all because of one person's sin. And God didn't bless the thing. And, and, and I just have to confess now, you know, I, I, I was just thinking when I was watching that video, earlier there was a video, I don't know, about an hour ago, where you showed um, people that needed clean drinking water. Does anybody know where that was? Was that Haiti? Okay, it was Haiti. And what else were they asking for? Do you remember? What? Soap? Soap and water. I, I don't know. I see. That's what I was convicted about. During the worship time, when Aaron was, was leading worship, I, I was trying to think back to that video. And, and, and I got so convicted because I thought, wow, Lord, here was this video of people that I know water was one of the things, probably food. I didn't know it was soap or whatever. But I just kind of watched it and went on and thought nothing of it. And I just got so convicted, I go, God, has my heart gotten so cold, so callous? Because, man, I remember my first trip to Africa, man, it was over 10 years ago, and I remember just seeing these kids, you know, having nothing, just, just grabbing stuff out of the, you know, these trash heaps of these giant dumps, and I thought, man, what if that was my kid? I would do anything for them. I, I, I would just pull them out of there. I remember God telling me, man, you got to treat all these kids like your kids. I remember when I first heard about human trafficking and I thought, man, so kids right now as we're sitting here, they're being raped and man, I couldn't even sleep. I was crying. I was sobbing in bed for hours thinking about a little kid being raped, all these strangers coming in and just abusing his or her body and thinking, man, what in the world would I do if that was one of my kids? Man, I'd be screaming at you, maybe even swearing at you, saying, man, someone do something and rescue my daughter. I remember God just saying, come on, Francis, 
So what if they're not your blood children? You gotta love them like your own children. And I remember getting so passionate. And pretty soon, you know, all the churches, man, I saw all these people rising up and saying, yeah, let's do this, let's do this. Let's feed the hungry. Let's care for those who are unseen. Let's rescue these kids that people have neglected. What if that were you? And I was so fired up. And then today, I'm watching this video, Clean Water, and I'm just kind of letting my mind wander because I've seen so many videos like that. And I've heard so many talks about caring for the poor. And during worship today, I go, God, what happened to me? I used to get so fired up about that stuff. Even that, just that stuff. I mean, these are people. These are souls. Like, like, like what? I get to stand here. I get to stand here with purified water. I had breakfast twice today already, okay? It's like, man, and I, you know, I'm going to go to a hotel tonight, you know, on and on. And, and meanwhile, someone's never, there are so many people who will never be in a room like this. They'll never get to hear a message and then go to lunch and go to another meeting. They'll never get this. And somehow we can separate, distance ourselves from this. Man, I don't want this just to be a topic for the week. You know, hey, let's go find the unseen. Man, these are real people. And I just got to confess, I've gotten a little bit, I don't know, I guess you, you hear it so much after a while. See, when I was your age, we never talked about this. When I would go to youth group, we, we never talked about the poor. We had no clue about the people in Africa. We had no idea that slavery was still going on. We had no idea there was such a thing as human trafficking. I had never even heard about it. Every once in a while on TV there'd be an infomercial about Ethiopia and these scrawny people and, 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 uh, and, and you know, and I would just quickly turn the channel and that was it. But we just pretty much neglected them. I, I just see that there's a different danger in this generation that you hear about it so much, just like I've been hearing about it so much the last few years, that we can almost tune it out. That's such a concern for me with the church. I feel like Satan loves the devil right now who's alive and well. I believe that he loves, he absolutely loves 90% of what we do as churches in America. I think he's thrilled with it. I think he laughs at it. I think he laughs at what we call church. You know, the Bible says, you know, you guys are, are, are using James chapter 1, 27 as a, as a theme verse. In verse 22, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He goes, man, do something. Don't just keep listening, listening, and listening and deceiving yourselves. See, I think Satan loves what goes on in most of our churches. Because we keep hearing the word, hearing the word, hearing the word, word and doing nothing with it. And he says we're deceiving ourselves. I mean, Satan is a great deceiver, right? He's the father of all lies. 
And what he loves about our church is he goes, man, I don't even have to go in there and deceive them. They're already deceiving themselves. They hear the word over and over and over, and they don't do anything. They don't actually sacrifice. They'll preach about sacrifice. They'll preach about sharing their stuff, but they don't ever get beyond this comfort zone. And so they keep hearing messages, messages, and messages. They keep seeing more and more videos about caring for the poor. And somehow in their minds, they're like, okay with it. And I just get concerned because I see it in my own heart. It's like, man, what's going on with me? I used to cry when I would think about people that don't have clean drinking water. Like, I, I, I seriously would cry about it. I would think about... Man, so some mom right now is like walking for miles just trying to find anything for her kid to drink. And that used to break my heart. Came back from Africa, looked at my stuff, and told my wife, I can't even live in this house anymore. Let's sell the house. I, I, I can't handle it. I mean, if that's my brother or sister eating that trash heap, why are we living in such a nice house? sell the cars. Let's, let's live in a tent. I don't care. This is driving me nuts. Start thinking about the kids in Thailand that are being raped right now. Man, I just remember going back to my church and just screaming at them like, come on, you guys. What a joke. What, what, how can we call this church? How can we say we love Jesus when Jesus says, well, loving me is caring for the least of these? Man, I wasn't planning on talking about any of that stuff I just when I saw that video I just felt like man I gotta confess like my heart's gotten callous toward this stuff and you know if there's something that's gonna keep something great happening this morning you know my own heart has to be into this again and so I'm just praying for that and ask that you pray that for me Man, I know you guys, you have a lot of sessions, you know, at BNYC. Or it's not even called that. What do you call it? It's momentum. I'm sorry. I used to call it BNYC. Um, all right, now I'm lost. Can we just pray? I, I got so many thoughts in my head, I don't even know where to go right now. And I just, I, I don't want to waste your time, and I want to say everything that God's called me to say. So let's pray. God, help me to say what you want me to say right now. Everything that you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, I used to... Uh, I used to read this book when I was your age. It was the first time I started reading this book. And every time I would read it, I would love it, but there was something that always bugged me. I would read this book and I would think, man, this is so different from what I see in church. 
It would drive me nuts because I would look at the commitment level of the people here, the supernatural things and the, the things people would go through and suffer for the sake of the gospel. And then I would go to church and I would feel like, man, it's so different from what I see in church. And it would, it would bug me, but I wouldn't say anything. Because everyone in church seemed fine to sing some songs and listen to another sermon that they weren't going to do anything about and brag about how much Bible they knew and go to their small group Bible study, you know, and discuss this verse, that verse, and do nothing with their lives. But I remember when I was your age, I'd open this book and go, man, it seems like there's more. Man, it seems like this is something completely different from what I'm experiencing at church. And I remember a few years, finally, after being in the church for 20 years, pastoring in the church for forever, I just finally just let it all out of my mouth. I go, have you guys ever thought this? Have you guys ever wondered if we're just completely missing this? And just everyone in the room started going, yeah, yeah, I, I, I want all of it. I know there's more. I know there's something more we're missing. There's a lot more than we're missing. Man, and, and I, 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 before I speak, man, I come before God and I go, God, would you do something? Because I can see it in some of your eyes. Man, I'm back there kind of peeking at you during worship, just looking at your eyes. You know, Aaron tells you to raise your hands. You raise your hands. You know, do this, do that. And I just see this look in your eyes of let me just continue. I mean, some of you, I can see you're passionate about the Lord, but a lot of you are just kind of going through the motions. And so in the back, I'm going, God, do something. Man, I, I read this book, and in the Old Testament, man, you'd have the ground, like, open up and eat people. You know, you would have people fall over, fire come down from heaven. Man, a, a couple months ago, my daughter, my daughter, my oldest daughter, I've got five kids. My oldest daughter is 16. In fact, she's in Nashville right now. She's recording, doing some acting, some, you know, Christian stuff, and... Uh, and I've been kind of touring around with her a little bit where she'll sing and she's got her band and, and I'll come up and I'll, I'll speak afterwards. And, and I remember I was in the back praying just like I was praying for you. But this time I was in the back and I'm going, God, I want something supernatural to happen in the room. Like, wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love it if, if, if five minutes from now something happened where everyone in the room went, Oh my gosh, we just experienced a miracle. We just experienced God. Man, don't you want that? Wouldn't you love that if that happened? And then you just talked about it the rest of the time. You talk about it all week. You remember it for the rest of your life. Like I go, God, I want one of those moments. I want one of those moments. I love, I love like, like uh, Elijah, when, when Elijah called down fire from heaven. I mean, isn't that one of your favorite Bible stories? Where, 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 you know, they're on that mountain and, and he's with hundreds of these prophets of Baal. And, and uh, you know, and they're trying to talk to their God and say, come on, light this altar on fire. All day long, nothing works. And then Elijah prays and said, God, come on, show them who you are. And immediately fire comes down from heaven. I mean, just out of the sky. Can you imagine fire coming out of the sky, coming and lighting a sacrifice on fire, and everyone's watching. And right after Elijah just goes, come on, Lord, show them who you are. And then boom, fire comes down, consumes everything. And it says, everyone just sat there going, it says, all the people said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. 
the Lord, he is God. Like they left there going, man, that was incredible. That was awesome. Whatever you just did, I believe in that God now. Okay, forget Baal. He, he didn't do anything worthless, pointless. But the Lord, Elijah, whoever you just prayed to, he's the real one. And, and so I'm in the back. I'm going, God, how come I never get that? Like, I want that. Like, like James 5. That, that's my favorite verse, James 5, 17, where it says, Elijah was a man just like us. So I'm in the back. I'm on my knees. I see this crowd of people, and I'm going, God, come on. You tell me in the Bible that Elijah was a man just like me. And it says that he prayed, and I believe right now, I believe more than I ever have in my life, that you hear me when I pray. And this is just like Elijah on Mount Carmel. Here I am, and I'm begging you, God, would you have something happen? Because I'm about to walk up in front of a bunch of church people that have heard every message in their lives, you know, just hundreds and hundreds of messages, and nothing's waking them up. They need to experience you. And I go, what about in, in the New Testament, Acts chapter 4? It says, after they prayed, there was an earthquake. I'm going, God... Could you do something like that, please? Because I don't want people walking away, talking about the band, talking about my daughter, talking about me. I want them walking away going, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Man, God, could I have an earthquake, please? There's times I've even prayed and I just sit there waiting and go, God, come on, do something, do something. And I remember at this concert that my daughter was doing a couple months ago, I actually even got bothered I, you know those times where you start to question God? Because you're like, God, how come you're not answering this? God, I've asked you so many times, like, could you have something happen? Because the last thing I want to do is give another sermon. I would rather, like, these lights fall over and kill someone. You, you know, and just go, whoa, that was cool. Then, then to just give another sermon. And so I'm in the back, and it was almost like frustrating, like, God, why don't you do this? I'm pray I think I'm praying in faith. Why don't you have fire come down from heaven right now so that everyone knows that the God I'm talking about is real, and it's not someone that we can just tune out of our mind and hear about over and over and over without changing. And as I was getting frustrated, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me opening my eyes to something. I kind of had a revelation at that moment. It's like God was saying to me, Francis, you know, you keep praying for this fire from heaven. But you know, Elijah was on Mount Carmel at the time. And he had hundreds of prophets of Baal that were ready to cut his head off if God didn't come through. Elijah was putting his life on the line. You are at a Christian concert. That's a little different. It was like, a, it was like man, like a light bulb went on like, that's right. He was in a dangerous situation where God, you had to come through. I'm just at a Christian concert hoping to see something cool. And I realized, man, that's what a lot of us as Christians do. We get together in these gatherings 
that require no faith. We just kind of get together and we go, man, I want to feel God. I want to feel God. I want to experience God. You know, come on, Aaron, sing one more song. I almost felt him. Oh, I think I felt him. You know, and we keep like we want to stir up the Holy Spirit somehow in these comfortable situations. But when you look in Scripture, the times when people really experienced God were the times when they were out doing something that required faith. It's Elijah going, okay, watch, watch how my God comes through. If he doesn't come through, you can cut my head off. But then suddenly God came through, and he ended up cutting everyone else's head off. It's, it's, it's times like when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into this fiery furnace because they would not deny God. They weren't going to stop praying. They weren't going to stop worshiping. They weren't going to bow down to some idol that the king just throws them in this pit of fire. And suddenly he goes, wait, I threw three guys into that raging fire, and they're walking around, and now there's a fourth guy. Who is that fourth guy? I threw three guys down. How can there be four people? It's like in that time, suddenly the presence of God showed up. It's Daniel in the lion's den, and God shows up. He gets to see Jesus. It's Stephen in the book of Acts when the Jews are about to kill him because he's preaching the gospel. Suddenly he looks up and he goes, oh my gosh. Stephen goes, I can see Jesus right now. I'm looking up and I see him right there next to the Father. Go ahead, throw the stones, kill me. I don't even care because I see Jesus right now. You see, it was in the middle of the difficult time. And some of you are going, man, I never get to experience Jesus. I don't, you know, I read these books, and I read this book, and I see these miracles, and I don't experience Jesus. Like, the Bible says that he would be with me, but I don't feel him right now. The Bible promised me that Jesus would be right here with me, but I don't experience him. And I'm going, no, read the passage again. What does the verse say? Does it say Jesus will just be with you always? It says it in the context of going out and making disciples. He says, go and make disciples. That's what you guys talked about last night, right? Get out there. Share your faith. Go make disciples. Actually, go and baptize people. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey Teach and obey everything I commanded you. And then what does Jesus say? And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you understand? Even that is in the context of going out and making disciples like you talked about last week, last night. It's about going out to those people who don't, the, the people who are unseen right now. Not sharing with the people in the room. Not just having fellowship with each other, but going to those who don't know. And baptizing, he goes, you do that, and I'll be with you. You guys, see, here's the thing that God's been teaching me is we so want to experience God in this room. And I'm not saying we can't or won't. I'm just saying when I read scripture, the times people really experienced God was when they left this room and actually did something that required faith. We want to experience the Holy Spirit here while we sing. And I'm not saying that we can't. I'm just saying, why was the Holy Spirit given? So that we would feel something when we sing? No, Jesus told his disciples, wait in that room. Wait for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. 
Power for what? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What I'm explaining is, look, if you guys want to experience God, I mean, we might experience him in this room. There might be an earthquake like Acts chapter 4. Maybe he will have fire come down to him. Maybe these lights will fall and kill someone. Okay? And then we afterwards find out, oh, that guy had a machine gun in his backpack. He was going to kill us all, and the lights fell on him. That was awesome. You know, we might experience that here, but from what I read in Scripture, most likely it's going to happen when you take a step of faith and actually do something where you actually have to put your life on the line, where it actually requires some faith where you're following through to what we talked about last night, not just being hearer of the word, but you go out and you're actually making disciples, trying to share with people. You guys, I moved to San Francisco recently, and most of the people that I talk to on a daily basis do not know Jesus. Most of my friends are not Christians now. Most of my friends, a lot of them, man, they grew up knowing nothing about Jesus. They're the people on the streets, they're crack addicts, they're, they're alcoholics, they're, they're people that were abused as children, they got all these sexual identity issues. And man, I used to, man, they were unseen to me because you know what, I used to just close my eyes to them and I would hang out with church people and you know, and I would be a pastor to people who've already heard the message so many times and I kept thinking, well, maybe if I say it a little bit more creatively, then they'll get it. Maybe if we spend millions of dollars and make the programs just right for them, then their eyes will be open. Meanwhile, there's all these people we ignore that don't hear the message. There's people around the world that have never heard one thing about Jesus, and we just kind of ignore them and leave them unseen. And I'm just saying, as I've been going out and just trying to share my faith, trying to do anything to get their attention and tell them about Jesus, I'm finally seeing this stuff. I'm finally going, wow, this is cool. It, it, in fact, see, our church is different. My, my church, what we do is we'll sing for a few minutes, I'll teach for a few minutes, and then we'll start walking the streets. And we'll just go and try to minister to people. We'll try to share the gospel. We'll try to see if anyone has any needs and, and try to meet those physically. And then we get back together and talk about it. And I remember the first Sunday, you know, we're driving home and, and I, I look at my family and, and I go, man, what do you guys think of that? And my, my oldest daughter, Rachel, she goes, Dad, that was awesome. She goes, I felt like we just popped out of the Bible. I thought, that's a great way to put it. I knew what she was saying. She goes, I finally feel like that made sense. We didn't just sit there and listen and sing a few songs and go home. Like I, I tried to be Jesus to people. I just went around and tried to talk to them and tried to meet their needs. She goes, it was awesome. I finally felt like we popped out of the Bible. I finally feel remotely biblical and I'm doing what they would do. I mean, if I believe that guy's going to hell, you know, like they were talking about destined for hell, you know, then I would probably go talk to him. Well, we're finally doing those things. And I'm telling you, there's peace and we're experiencing God. Man, there's no bigger rush for me than to see it happening with my own children. My daughter, 16 years old, I mean, she came home one day. Um, some friends came to visit her, and so they decided, you know, hey, let's go to, uh, let's go to In-N-Out, you know, down by Fisherman's Wharf there in San Francisco. And uh, you guys don't have In-N-Out, huh? 
Um, it's like Chick-fil-A for burgers. And, uh, but better. And uh, she takes them to In-N-Out, and as they're about to walk in, she notices a homeless lady. So she looks at the lady and she just goes, can I buy you a cheeseburger? And the lady says, yeah, sure. And uh, so Rachel goes in, gets a couple cheeseburgers, comes out, hands the lady a cheeseburger and goes, do you mind if I have lunch with you? And the lady's like, sure. And so my daughter just sat down with this lady and uh, starts asking about her life. And then she just starts sharing the gospel with this lady. And uh, as she's sharing, the lady stops her and goes, this is really weird. She goes, a couple months ago, someone started talking to me about Jesus. And then he told me that I need to go check out some ministry in the inner city. And, and she goes, it's weird because he told me about some guy there in the inner city that just moved there from Southern California, some pastor, and, and, and he was saying, I need to go find him and talk to him. And she, she goes, it was weird because as you were walking up, I was standing here trying to remember that name for some reason. And my daughter goes, is it Francis Chan? And the lady goes, yes, that's it. And she's like, that's my dad. And she's able to look at this lady goes, do you think that could be a coincidence? Or is it pretty obvious to you that God is trying to get your attention? Man, it was so cool when my daughter came home that day. It's, you'll never believe what happened. I gotta tell you this story. And she just goes through the whole thing, talking about this homeless lady. And I'm just going, man, that's so cool. Why? Why is she experiencing that? Because she's going out and trying to make disciples. I'm telling you, when you go and you just try, that's when these things happen. I mean, right now, I'm, I'm getting ready. You know, when I get, when I get home, I got, I got another trip after this. When I get home, we're doing a conference, you know, where it's not a conference where, where you know, it's just teaching and singing. It's, it's, man, we go out and do stuff. Like, you guys are doing stuff. Like, we go out and we, we wash people's hair. We cut their feet. We cut their hair. I don't, but, you know. Um, we, we do, you know, we, we feed them, you know, hot meals, cook stuff. And last year about this time, we're getting ready for the conference and the whole group is fasting and praying, all the leaders there at the rescue mission. And the leader goes, we don't have any meat. We've got to make thousands of meals tomorrow and we have no meat. So all we can give them is like bread and cheese or whatever else. And he goes, and we have no money in the bank. And so it's kind of a downer as everyone's like, wow, we got nothing? And we promised thousands of meals and we have hundreds of people that are gonna come and pass out these meals and we have no meat and no money? Then about an hour after he made that announcement, the local supermarket, Trader Joe's, called us and they said, hey, all of our refrigerators just broke down. Will you guys take all of our meat? And these U-Hauls, they told me, just a couple, this was like six U-Haul trucks filled with meat, like marinated chicken, pork chops, steaks, spirits, like just showed up to the front door. And I was like, wow, that is awesome. 
It's just this whole idea of we're experiencing God as we do these things. Man, this, this one guy, James, you know, that I knocked on his door and went in his apartment, and I got to share the gospel with him, and he asked Jesus into his life. We're praying for him, but he'd been a crack addict for 40 years. You know, we brought him over to our house to have a birthday party, and he brought all of his drugs and paraphernalia and a hammer, and we just smashed it all in the backyard and buried it, you know, and had a little birthday party for him. And then he said, but pray for me. Pray for me because the first of the month is coming up. He goes, on the first of the month, everyone gets their welfare checks. We pay our rent, and the rest of it, we buy drugs. Everyone is gone on the first of the month. Everyone is so messed up on the first of the month. And he goes, it's just, in, it's a routine for me. And he goes, I'm scared because the first of the month is coming up in a few days. Pray for me. So he prayed for him and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do more than pray for him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to him and I'm going to walk with him all day long because this is my brother now. Okay? And I'm going to stick with him. So the first of the month comes and I get the flu. And so I'm sick. I think it was like March 1st this year and I'm like, Oh no, man, I am so sick, I can't get to James. And, and so, you know, the good thing is one of our volunteers, this kid named Aaron calls me, and he goes, hey, it's, it's, it's okay, hey, I'm gonna go visit James today. I'm like, good, stay with him. Man, that's really cool. But then once I hung up the phone, part of me was like, man, I wanna be there. Aaron, this guy's been addicted for 40 years. He doesn't need Aaron, he needs Francis Chan. Right, Aaron, he hasn't written anything. You know, who is he? You, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, no, I gotta be there, I gotta say the right words. But man, at the end of the night, Aaron calls me up and he goes, man, you'll never believe I gotta talk to you. You'll never believe what happened. He was just on fire. He goes, Francis, so I took James, we put all the money in an account so that he couldn't just give it to drug dealers. You know, then we talked. He goes, and then, uh, then, then I, I, he told me, he goes, man, it's been years since he hasn't been high on the first of the month. And he says, so I said, let's, let's go celebrate. Let me take you out to dinner. So he goes, we go out to dinner. I'm looking for this one place and I can't find it on my GPS. And we see a Popeye, so I'm like, yeah, let's just go there. It's a chicken place. And he goes, let's just go over there to that chicken place. And he goes, man, I got to sit down and I walked through Romans 6 through 8 with James and talked about the spirit and talked about how this can turn you around. He goes, man, it was so awesome. He goes, I've never had such a great time in the word with someone else. He goes, but then I looked at James and I go, man, how did it all start for you? And James goes, man, he goes, I remember I was 19 years old. He goes, I was 19. I had already smoked pot a little bit. I drunk, you know, I've been drinking. And then I came to work and my boss offered me cocaine. He just lined it up in the back. He goes, I remember I was curious. So I tried it and I was hooked. I fell in love with it. At first, I just kind of did it casually, but I just had to have more and more and more. And now it's been 40, that was 19, I just turned 59. But he goes, I'll never forget it. He goes, because I was a cook. He goes, I was a cook at this restaurant, and he brought it into the back room. He actually brought the cocaine, this is my boss, brought the cocaine into this little back, and then he stops. And he looks around, he goes, wait, this is the restaurant. This used to be, and he named the name of the restaurant. This used to be such a, this is $5.99 to visit there. Yes, it is. 
He goes, this is the very room where it happened. And he stood up and he had chills all over his body. He goes, man, 40 years ago in this room is where it all started. And I've been lost in this desert for 40 years. And then God takes me to the very room where it started to deliver me. He goes, if I ever doubted God, I will never doubt him again. Isn't that cool? Aaron's on the phone telling me the story. I don't know who was more excited, you know, James or, or Aaron, because why? He was out making disciples. And he man, I have so many stories to tell you, stories of healing, supernatural things. But, but the bottom line is, look, it all happens out there. It's probably not going to happen in your youth group. It's probably not going to happen in this room today. You want to experience God, you want to experience the supernatural, then actually do what they talked about last night. And actually go to people and try to make disciples. Some of you don't feel like you experience the Holy Spirit. It's probably because you sit in church all the time trying to experience Him, rather than going out and living a life of faith and trying to make disciples. Going to the unseen and actually sharing with them. You know that passage in Acts? I just want to read this, and I'm going to close with this. In Acts chapter 4, remember I talked to you about the earthquake? I mean, I'm not giving up on the earthquake. I still think that would be cool, okay? But in, in Acts chapter 4, I, want, I, I noticed something, and God revealed this to me that, that night when we were doing the concert. He just had me look at the passage again, because I'm going, man, they prayed. This is New Testament. They prayed, and the place shook. How come when I pray, I can't even get a little tremor? You know, and uh, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4 was when Peter and John were released from prison. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, says people were astonished by the boldness of Peter and John because they recognized that they were ordinary, uneducated men. I mean, there's just simple people. Acts chapter 4 was when the, the authorities were saying, don't you ever speak about Jesus again. And Peter and John goes, well, you tell us, what should we do? Obey you or God? And so they beat them and sent them off. And, and so then they, they run to the believers. Here's Peter and John. They run to the believers and they start praying with the other Christians after they're released from prison. Verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. See, God showed me something in that passage. It says, first of all, their prayer, what did they pray? They go, God, would you give us the ability to speak with boldness because we're scared. I mean, let's admit it, you guys. It's scary, right, to share your faith. For some of you, you'd rather do anything on earth other than tell someone about Jesus. Because it's awkward. Because people in the world, they're offended by the name of Jesus. 
People in the world, they kind of feel like, oh man, I, I get the Jesus thing. I'm not into that. I don't like this one way to heaven. That's evil of you. And so you don't want to be rejected. I get that. I feel that. There's times when I'm sitting next to someone on the plane and I'm going, God, I don't want to talk to this person. I know you want me to. Give me an open. I remember one time there was a girl, there was an empty seat, and there was a girl. I'm like, God, I know I'm supposed to talk to her. Give me an opportunity. I want to be bold. I know I should talk to her. The whole plane ride goes by, and I never talk to her about Jesus. And I remember I get off the plane, and I go speak at a pastor's conference about courage. I get right out of the conference. I go back to the airport, jump back on a plane. Guess who's sitting right next to me on the way home? the same girl and we're both just like shut up what in the world this never happens you're never on the plane with the same person and for me to be you know she's laughing go man this is crazy I go well you know what actually it's not I go man this morning you were sitting there and I knew God wanted me to ask you about your life and to talk to you about him and I prayed for an opportunity I don't know, you fell asleep and I, I didn't want to bug you and I just didn't say anything. I said, I've been feeling terrible about it all day. And then he puts me right next to you. There's no way this is coincidence. Tell me about your life. What do you believe about God? And we just got in this whole thing about her issues with the church that she grew up with and why she hated the church. It was an amazing time of ministry. So I get the idea of being scared. And that's why Peter and John got all the disciples together. Here they were already looked at for being so bold, and they get together and they pray. He's got, when's the last time you got together with other Christians and prayed for boldness? Seriously, try to think. When's the last time you got with other people and you just said, you know what, you guys, I know I need to share my faith. I feel terrible, but I'm not telling my best friend. Give me, pray for boldness. See, that's what they did. And it says after they prayed, they didn't pray for an earthquake. They prayed for boldness. And he says, as we do that, God, as we go out and speak boldly, would you stretch out your hands to heal and signs and wonders are performed through Jesus. So when they prayed, it says the whole place started shaking. And then it says they continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. See, that was the miracle. You could pick either one. I mean, would you say the earthquake was a miracle or that these normal, ordinary people walked out and spoke with boldness? You guys, that's my prayer for you this morning. I'm going to have Aaron and the band come up. But before... Uh, before they start leading us, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your boldness. I'm talking to God, and you guys, seriously, right now, I feel like I'm in this zone where I'm going to communicate to God, and I really believe that if he wanted to, he would shake the earth. He would shake this Colosseum. He could do whatever he wants to do. But honestly, I can honestly say I would rather, more important than a miracle like that, would be the miracle of, of you, a new generation walking out boldly and saying, we're done. 
We're done with just going to services and trying not to swear and trying not to sleep with our boyfriend or girlfriend or not, trying to not have a Facebook page that's so hoochie, you know, whatever. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm done with, with, with all that stupid stuff that we just say, okay, that's what it means to be a Christian. I'm done with just saying I'm going to raise kids that don't swear and I'm going to have a nice little family and a nice little retirement and if we have anything left over, we'll give it to the poor. Oh, poor little Haitian doesn't have water. Just saying we're done with that. And we're ready to live radical lives. And we're ready to say, you know what, I'm ready to die and truly deny myself. I'm praying that a new generation would crop up that doesn't just say, hey, come to our, our youth group, but that you would be people that could look other human beings in the eyes and lay out the gospel to them and actually make disciples of them, actually baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and actually teach them to obey everything that God's commanded. That's the miracle I'm praying for. So would you bow your heads right now?